Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Koinonia Church Message Library. Our hope is that today's message encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus. We are confident that God's Word is living and active and is relevant for us today. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. Jesus went out and saw a man named Matthew at work collecting taxes. So Jesus said, follow me. And he did. He walked away from everything and went with Jesus. Matthew invited Jesus to a large dinner at his home with all of his friends. The religious scholars came to the disciples greatly offended. What is he doing eating and drinking with misfits and sinners? And that's when Matthew met Jesus. I'm not sure what it looks like for you to bring me out of who I am, but uh, we'll see what the Holy Spirit does there. Uh, we're, we're starting a new series today, and it's, it's going to be so good for the next number of weeks. We're looking at different people in the Bible that had an encounter with Jesus and the difference that that made in their lives and what we can learn from that experience and how it can change us as well. For those of you who um, maybe have grown up in church, you've been reading your Bibles for a while, you probably are aware of the experience that Matthew had with Jesus. You've heard about how you know, he was a tax collector and Jesus called him and he followed Jesus. And maybe you think you know what that's all about. And I have to admit that as I was assigned this particular individual, I, I kind of thought I knew what it was all about as well. And as I got into it, the Holy Spirit began to open my eyes to some fresh things, and I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. Jesus, um, in the context of what's about to happen, he had just healed a paralyzed man. You may remember this story. The friends of this guy uh, opened a hole in the roof and lowered him down so that he could experience Jesus, so he could be healed. And the Bible tells us that Jesus then was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and this is where he met, Je uh, met Matthew. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke all identify Matthew as a tax collector. In fact, in Luke, they call him Levi. It's just another name that um, Matthew had. And you may feel like you understand why people don't like tax collectors, because that's another thing that throughout the Gospels is very clear. People did not like tax collectors, and you might think, well, they collected taxes. I mean, <laughs> what's there to like about that? But um, there were particular reasons why people didn't like tax collectors back in that day. It wasn't just like working for the CRA, you know, this, this uh, tax collectors um, were, were Jewish people that had sold out to the Romans, and they extracted taxes from their fellow Jews. They helped the Romans oppress their own people, and they would um, 
prepay their taxes. The Romans would say, this is how much you need to get from these people in this region. And so they would say, okay, consider it done. Here's the money. And then they would oppress the people and take more than what the Romans said they needed to take. So you can understand why their fellow Jews would have a problem with this. They were detested and despised. They were seen as traitors. And even their family, this extended, the dishonor of what they were doing extended to their families. They were disqualified as judges or witnesses in a court session. They were excommunicated from the synagogue. And this was a big deal. So this is Matthew. <laughs> this is who is about to have an encounter with Jesus. Are you ready to hear the passage? In Luke chapter 5, 27. After this, after healing the paralyzed man, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi, also known as Matthew, sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, who belonged to the sect, complained to his disciples, why? Do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? I'd like to throw in a little bit of extra English accent there. <laughs> Just... <clears throat> Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. What can we learn about Jesus and ourselves through this encounter with Matthew. Let's look at this together. Jesus went out, he saw a tax collector sitting in his booth, and he said, follow me. See, to appreciate what's going on here, we need to understand that religious leaders avoided tax collectors. Religious leaders avoided tax collectors. And I want you to notice how it describes them as tax collectors and sinners. Do you see how that works? Tax collectors are a particularly bad group within the category of sinners. They're, they're actually so bad they separate them throughout the Gospels, right? What is Jesus doing? See, Matthew is used to being rejected, Matthew is used to being labeled. Matthew is used to being excommunicated. Matthew is used to having fingers pointed at him and nasty things said about him. And what Jesus does is unprecedented. It's scandalous that a religious leader, a teacher, would invite a tax collector to be his disciple. This is why the Pharisees reacted. This is why they had a problem with what Jesus was doing. <laughs> but Jesus, this is what we learn about Jesus, he calls us 
based on his grace, not our worthiness. Are you thankful for that? Jesus called you, called me, not based on our worthiness, but based on his grace. It's important. Romans 5, 6 through 8 says this, You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for who? The ungodly. (laughs) That's who Jesus calls. See, maybe you're under the impression this morning, here in this room or viewing online, that Jesus calls the godly. See, this would make sense, wouldn't it? I mean, he's the son of God. He's a teacher of the law. He's a, he's a holy man, and you would think that Jesus would go around in this time that he's living calling the scribes and the Pharisees, the teachers of the religious law, because they were the ones who seemed to be holy. We'll find out that wasn't the case. <laughs> but Jesus deliberately chooses Matthew. A tax collector, a traitor, a sinner, a thief. Because he doesn't call us based on our worthiness, but based on his grace. Maybe you thought Jesus wouldn't want to call you because you feel like you have to get yourself cleaned up a little bit first. And maybe you've been trying to do that and it's not been going so well for you. And you've just resigned yourself to the fact that maybe Jesus doesn't want you. You know, maybe he wants this uh, bold English guy up the front there with the black jean jacket on. But he doesn't want me because I'm not good enough. Maybe that's what you think. But Matthew reveals to us that's not the way Jesus thinks. Are you thankful for that? Jesus said to Matthew, follow me. What, what did that mean, follow me? He, he was not saying, you know, I'm about to go to the local Tim Hortons, come follow me. You know, that's not what Jesus was saying. What he was saying was not just follow me right now, he was saying follow me from now on. <laughs> this was a call to become a disciple. And there's something, another strange thing going on here that you have to appreciate to see what's, going, what, what, what's unfolding in this passage. Masters did not normally call disciples. Disciples usually chose their master. But Jesus deliberately is choosing his own disciples. Because Jesus is different. Jesus goes about things in a different way. Jesus' choice in choosing disciples was very odd. Not just the fact that he would do it, but who he chose. Okay, so I've told you about Matthew. Hated, despised, unsavory, lack of integrity, extorting taxes. You know, not good. Agreed? You know, I don't know if I would run out and pick a friend like that personally. Not only did Jesus pick Matthew, but he picked Simon. Now, Simon is described as a zealot. Now, if you do a little bit of research on zealots, 
(laughs) They were basically the exact opposite of Matthew. They believed in resisting the Roman government. They believed that they had to, in order to be God's holy people, they had to stand up to the Roman government. <laughs> and so you've got this, this guy, Matthew, who is in cahoots with the Roman government, oppressing his people. And then you've got Simon, who believes in rising up against the government. And Jesus picks them both. Interesting. Very interesting. Because, you see, when Jesus calls you, when you know that Jesus has called you, everything else takes a lesser priority. Our opinions about things take a lesser priority. Because what matters more than anything is Jesus. What matters more than anything is who he is And what he's doing, and the fact that he has called us to participate with him in that mission. And that trumps everything. See, Jesus, when he's at the center, it doesn't matter how we feel about other things. We are able to walk together in unity. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes, like the Pharisees, we're offended by the people Jesus calls to be disciples along with us. They're like, Jesus, what are you thinking? That person beside me, don't you know who they are? Don't you know what they say? Don't you know what they think and believe? Jesus, what are you doing? You know what? I think Jesus does it on purpose. I do. Straight up, I think he does it on purpose. Because what he wants to do is transform us into his image. What better way is there to transform someone into his image than put someone in your life, in my life, that sees things differently? Just saying. And, G- and, and Jesus said to him, follow me, and then... Simon, or Levi, the tax collector, Matthew, he gets up and he follows him and he leaves everything. See, because when Jesus calls you and I to follow him, this is the second thing we we discover, he calls us to lose our lives as we knew them and find our identity in him. See, for Matthew... To leave his tax collecting was a big, big deal. He was on the hook for a lot of money, for one, (laughs) because he had already committed to extract taxes from his people for the Roman government. He was also wealthy. (laughs) And even though a lot of people didn't like him, his job was pretty secure. And he gave it all up. And I would imagine that if he changed his mind down the road, not too many people are going to want to hire him. (laughs) An ex-tax collector. You know, I don't think the fishermen would have wanted him. I don't think any other merchants would have wanted him because he had a bad reputation. Matthew was putting everything on the line. 
he was putting all of the cards in, all of the chips in on this bet. He was giving it all. He walked away from everything to follow Jesus. And this was a common response among the disciples Jesus called. Peter left his nets, followed Jesus. You know, Andrew left his nets, the boat followed Jesus. Because Jesus calls us to lose our lives and find our identity in him. In fact, Jesus later on in Luke would say, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. He's not saying right now you've got to like sell everything, give it all away or something. You know, like he, what, what he's saying is there can't be anything in our lives that we value and prioritize above Jesus if we're going to be his disciples. I mean, sure, you can follow him around and you can be entertained by his teaching, but if you want to be a disciple, if you want to become like Jesus, then you and I have to be prepared to give it all, to lay it all down. That part's not so popular. (laughs) Matthew understood from personal experience what it was like to lose his life and find it in Jesus. It's a good deal, actually. It's a very good deal. And Matthew understood the honor of being called by Jesus because look at what he does next. Levi, or Matthew, held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Matthew is so excited about being called by Jesus, he throws a banquet. And guess who he invites? People like him. Because that's the only people that would come to dinner at his house. No one else would want to be seen dead in his house. Because he's a tax collector. And so his house is packed out with tax collectors and sinners. It's an honor to be called by Jesus. And Matthew got it. He understood it. And he wanted his fellow sinners to meet Jesus too. And then the Pharisees come along. And I bet you they weren't in the house. They were, they were, because they weren't invited. They were standing outside the house, peering in like this. And they're like, what? What is Jesus doing? This is crazy. And he says, to, they say to the disciples, they were complaining to the disciples, it says, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? So we've just identified who's in the house. Tax collectors and sinners packing out the joint. And Jesus is there with them. And the Pharisees don't like it at all. See, because eating with people in that day was a sign of acceptance socially. And so Jesus is with a whole crowd of tax collectors and sinners and the Pharisees are like, this is wrong because you're, commu- do you know what you're communicating, Jesus? You're communicating that you accept these people. You're communicating that you're condoning their behavior, Jesus. <laughs> See, the Pharisees were threatened by the sin of others, but Jesus was not. 
See, our sin, your sin, my sin, does not intimidate Jesus. It doesn't pollute his holiness. See, the Pharisees should not have been complaining. They are religious leaders. They should have been celebrating that there was a whole bunch of people that were far from God that were hungry to know about God's ways. They should have been the first people to get excited about what was going on. But instead, they're complaining instead of celebrating. See, Pharisee comes from an Aramaic word which means to separate, to divide, to distinguish. And they found their identity in separating and dividing and distinguishing themselves from everybody else, from the tax collectors, from the sinners. And Jesus responds to them and they're complaining and he says, don't you know, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Why would I not be in Matthew's house? Because they're sick. They're sinners. They need a doctor. They need a savior, which is why the savior was in the middle of the house. (laughs) This is why he was here. Matthew adds a little bit more insight into what's going on. Remember, he's the Matthew, the text collector who wrote Matthew's gospel, he adds this detail. When the Pharisees asked the question, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Now listen to this next part. But go, Pharisees, religious leaders, and learn what this means. This quote from Scripture, from the Old Testament. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. See, Jesus is addressing the attitude of the Pharisees. And see, the Pharisees are very familiar with sacrifice. They sacrificed in many different ways. They fasted every week. They tithed on absolutely every last thing that they had in their homes. They avoided sin at all costs. At least they tried. The problem was that in their sacrificing, they had missed that God values mercy more than sacrifice. In other words, God values more than our sacrifice how we love people. The Apostle Paul pointed this out too. You know, you can do all these things. You can give everything away. You can give your body to be burned. But if you don't have love, if you don't have mercy, you're nothing. (laughs) That's what the Apostle Paul said. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. See, we can be 100% right that the Pharisees, they were 100% right about Matthew and his friends. They were sinners. They were 100% right. But they were 100% wrong about how they dealt with that. God didn't want them 
to point fingers and label and, and condemn and judge and criticize the tax collectors and sinners. He wanted them to show mercy. They were supposed to represent God. And they weren't doing a very good job of it. Sometimes we can do the same. See, Jesus was not suggesting that the Pharisees were not sick and didn't need him. Right? He wasn't like, you know, Pharisees, it's, it's, it's the sick who need a doctor. Clearly you're not sick. Clearly these people are, so that's why I'm helping them. It's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus was addressing sickness, both in Matthew and his friends and in the Pharisees, because they were sick, and they didn't know it. They had no idea how sick they were. In fact, their sickness was more terminal, more of a problem, more of an issue than the sickness that afflicted Matthew and his friends. Because throughout the Gospels, we discover that the sickness, the sin of self-righteousness and pride is a greater obstacle to the grace of God than any other sickness. Jesus' point is not that there's this group of people that are healthy and well, and there's this group of people who are sick that need a doctor. His point was that all of us are sick. All of us are sick. Me, you, all of us. You know, when, when you and I come to Jesus, <laughs> Jesus does a miracle on the inside of us. We are transformed. We are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. But we aren't perfect. You can ask the person beside you if, if they want to verify that. But I guarantee you their answer will be, no, honey, you're not perfect. See, because all of us have a measure of sickness that remains in us, that Jesus is still healing we do not outgrow our need for Jesus to be our physician. And the Pharisees thought they had. They thought that their good behavior, they thought all of the sins they were avoiding, they thought all of the tithing and the sacrificing and the, all of the stuff that they were doing had led to them being in this condition where they were godly and had no need for Jesus. Can you see how that's a problem? <laughs> and friends, I wonder how many times you and I can arrive in the same place. We conclude that it's those other people that have an issue. It's that other group over there that needs Jesus. But I believe that Jesus' encounter with Matthew reveals that whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian, whether you're religious or you're anti-religion, it doesn't matter. All of us need Jesus. All of us need a doctor. And I'm telling you, this last two years, 
has revealed to me that I still need a doctor. All of the stuff that COVID and racial tension and mandates and all of that stuff has served to show me that I still need a doctor. I still need a surgeon to do surgery on my heart because I'm like the Pharisees sometimes. I'm pointing my finger, I'm judging, I'm labeling. And you know what? Not a single word may escape my mouth. Not a single word might get typed on a keyboard. But my heart is sick. My heart is like the Pharisees sometimes. I wonder if you can relate. We all need Jesus. We all need a savior. We all need a physician. We all need a healer. All of us need a doctor. And we do not ever outgrow our need for Jesus to bring healing to us. You know, sometimes we can think that we're so right and other people just need the truth that we have. (laughs) They just need to hear the right perspective on this thing. Man, (laughs) I don't think so. Most of the time they don't. Because most of the time, I don't want to tell you the truth because I love you. I want to tell you the truth because I'm right. And I want you to know it. You know, it's true that Jesus at times confronted sin. And he would call it out sometimes, mostly for the self-righteous. But he only ever did it because of love. Only ever because of love. That was his only motive any time he spoke truth. He was full of grace, full of truth. And he did what the Apostle Paul said. He only spoke the truth in love. And sometimes I want you to think I'm speaking the truth in love. But you know how I can tell if I'm speaking the truth in love? I can tell if I'm prepared to die for you. Because that's what Jesus did. That's how come he could speak the truth. is because he was prepared to die for these Pharisees. He was prepared to die for these tax collectors and sinners. And he did. He didn't talk about loving us. He didn't leave a truth bomb and then leave. Jesus spoke the truth in love to every heart that he came across. And then he gave his life on a cross for you and me. That's the question I have to ask myself when I'm becoming like a Pharisee and I want to point out Don't you know, Jesus, these guys are tax collectors and those guys are sinners. What I got to ask myself is, okay, but what about me? (laughs) What about my heart? 
what is the great physician revealing on the inside of me right now? Jesus, before I share those things with my fellow believer, what is it you want to heal in me so that I can make sure I'm doing it for the same reason you speak truth? So It's so interesting. Matthew and his friends have experienced the Pharisees' strategy for decades. See, the Pharisees' strategy for changing Matthew and his fellow sinners was, as I said, to point them out, to label them, to exclude them, to reject them, to stay away from them. And guess what? It wasn't working very well. The strategy was not working. But Jesus comes, full of grace and truth, overflowing with mercy. And one encounter with Matthew, and Matthew has changed. Pharisees have walked by Matthew. They've paid taxes to Matthew. They've excluded Matthew. They've labeled Matthew. They've looked down on Matthew. Didn't change Matthew. Jesus shows up and says, follow me. And Matthew's changed because Matthew had an encounter with the mercy of Jesus. And that is what Jesus wants us to give away, is his mercy. Jesus was sitting in the middle of that house. He disagreed with those people. He knew who they were. He knew who they were better than they knew who they were. He knew them better than the Pharisees. He disagreed with their sin. Their sin was going to send him to the cross. (laughs) But Jesus did not spend all of his time pointing out their sin. He sat in that house, overflowing with grace and mercy, and a whole bunch of people's lives got transformed. My friends, that's what Jesus wants us to do. There'll be a time for speaking to sin, but not before we've allowed the great physician to address what may be going on in our own hearts. But the thing that there is always a time for is to overflow with grace and mercy, to let the encounter you and I have had with Jesus Christ leak out from every pore of our being because Jesus called us based on his grace not our worthiness, because Jesus calls us to lose our lives and find our identity in him, and because we have a revelation that it doesn't matter how holy we have become, doesn't matter how much we've sacrificed, how faithfully we give or fast or avoid sin, we never outgrow our need for Jesus to bring healing to us. And if Jesus wanted to, I'm telling you, he could point out all, all of the things that are wrong with you and I. But that's not his approach. He approaches us like he did Matthew. He loves us. And through that love, we get transformed. And through that love, we repent. (laughs) Repentance is not a message of condemnation. It's a message of grace. 
This is the message of repentance. Reassess. Reconsider, Nathan. Take another look at that decision you made. Take another look at that thought you had. In light of the mercies of God, have another look, Nathan. And as I do, I begin to realize, wow, I blew it. I didn't reflect the heart of Jesus. To my kids, to my wife, to that friend, I, I blew it. I misrepresented Jesus. And my heart and mind are changed. And therefore, my behavior is too. That's what repentance is. <laughs> and when we meet Jesus, we discover that repentance isn't something we do at one moment in time. The first time Jesus shows up in our lives and we see him as the Savior, it is a thing we do every day as his grace begins to impact us more and more as his spirit shines a light on our hearts and we begin to realize there is a better way than what we've been living. And we let go of our lives and we embrace Jesus' life and his grace changes us. Amen? Jesus had a meal and it was through a meal that lives were changed and we're about to celebrate a meal right now we're about to celebrate the Lord's Supper, which reminds us of all Jesus has done for us. I encourage you, as we participate in this meal, don't let it be like every other time. Let the great physician speak into your heart and let him do the work that he wants to. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. We want to encourage you to let the Holy Spirit sink today's message into your heart, to let it transform you and bring new life. If you want to learn more about Koinonia, you can go to kcf.life to get connected. Thank you for being a part of our community. If today's message encouraged you, we would love for you to rate it and review it and share it with a friend. We love you. Let's continue to build God's kingdom together.